Well, I think, uh, I think it's pretty well known that people that say that they follow Jesus generally hold prayer in high regard, right? Like that's kind of a given. Um, it, it, honestly, I think it doesn't even matter if you're a, a, someone that calls yourself a Christian or you call yourself someone who's, who's not a Christian. At the end of the day, I, I think that you recognize that, that people who follow God think, hey, praying's a big deal, right? And sometimes, I, I know for, for myself, like, I, I've prayed a prayer and, man, like, God has just stepped in and done amazing things, Right? And, and probably all around this room, uh, in fact, I know some of the stories around this room, there have been things that you prayed for and you were like, whoa, look at what God has done. He healed this person. He worked out these circumstances. He brought this person that I've been praying for for so long to faith. There's so many things that we can look to. And, and just like with that song that we sang there at the end, right? All my life, you have been faithful. And, and we recognize God's faithfulness, his compassion for us. But how many of you recognize that prayer can also be one of our greatest struggles? You know what I'm talking about? I know for me, sometimes I get down on my knees. Okay, I rarely get down on my knees. Sometimes I sit in my chair that I spend my time with God uh, in most mornings and uh, my mind is just racing and I'm just like, you know what? Like, does it really matter if I have this time? Is it really going to make that big of a difference? And we've all had those times too. I'm sure if you're a praying person, you've seen this where, where prayer is a struggle because you've been praying for something and praying for it and you're like, why isn't it happening? Maybe you prayed for something and the opposite happened. You prayed for healing and they got worse. And these things, they're really hard for us to take. We ask ourselves, why isn't God answering me? Have you been there? Maybe you're there right now, right? God, hello. <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> Maybe you've given up. I, I remember one of my kids, um, when they were much younger, they, uh, the, one of them, I'm not going to say who it was um, because I don't want to embarrass this person, but they, they, were, uh, they were sick. And so, you know, as, as people with the flu do, they were um, hugging the porcelain throne. And, um, you know, I, I, I was in the other room because I don't, I don't do vomit. I'm sorry. Like, nope. So, so from the other room, I'm hearing, Oh, God, make it stop. God, just take it away. Mom, Dad, why isn't God answering my prayers? You know? And I mean, as, as adults, we're like, it would be nice, but I don't know. We, we've kind of given up on those prayers, I think, most of us, right? Like, we're sick, and we're just like, yeah, I'm sick, but I'll get over it. Maybe we don't even pray about it anymore. But what, what ends up making things so difficult for us is, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I see prayers being answered, Right? I mean, in fact, one of Jesus' closest friends and followers, John, he, he writes in his account of Jesus' life, the words of Jesus saying, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And we're like, all right, in Jesus' name, I want a Lamborghini. 
Now, you laugh, but it's only funny because there's actually people out there that believe that that's what you can do. You see, we've, we've talked in the past about the idea of in my name, right? How it's not a magic word, but in fact, when we pray in God's name, what we are doing is we are taking upon ourselves that idea of uh, having dominion over God's creation that we see in the book of Genesis. This idea that Christ is king and we are stewards. And so when we proclaim something in his name, it has to be according to his will, what he would say himself, and it's done in his authority. We're saying, I'm speaking for Jesus. And so we, we've, we've talked about this in the past, and it, it doesn't make the situation any easier, let me tell you that, because then you get into, well, how do I know the will of God? How do I know that I'm praying in his authority and according to his will? Prayers rife with questions, right? In fact, theologians have wondered about these, these questions. Why does it seem like some things get a huge answer and then other things get no answer? You know, Philip Yancey wrote a book all about prayer and, and struggles in prayer. And many other theologians throughout history as well have, have sat there and gone like, okay, God, like, what's the point of praying? Because it seems like you do what you want anyways. And yet in scripture, we see things like, like Abraham, where God's like, I'm going to destroy that city and everyone in, in it. And Abraham's like, God, no, what if you find this many people who are righteous? Okay, I'll save it for that many. Well, what about this many? I'll save it for that many. We see Moses, no, Lord, don't destroy the people and start over with me. Hold on to your promise. And so... The Bible gives us a picture of this partnership of the fact that, that God wants us to ask. He wants us to pray and that he responds to our prayers. But then we run into the issue. Then why sometimes does it seem like God isn't answering? And this applies to, to people that don't follow Jesus as well, you know. Because chances are, if, if, if you're tuning in today... You, you've probably had a moment in your life where things got to the point you just went, God, if you're up there. Or maybe you used to be a church-going person and you were praying hard for something and it just seemed like you didn't get the answer and, and you were just, I'm done with this. If God's not going to answer my prayers, I'm out. Why does it seem that God isn't answering our prayers? Lord Jesus, today I ask that you would just help us in this moment to really begin to gain some clarity on the idea of prayer. And, and Lord, it's such a big topic and we don't have time to uh, approach the entire thing. And, and Lord, you know that it's, it's something that is a discussion that's been ongoing throughout history. And yet, Lord, I know for myself, I, I have seen you respond in so many ways to the prayers of your people that there's no way to, for me to say that prayer isn't important and that it doesn't work. And so today, Lord Jesus, as we look at some of the things that could be holding our prayers back from getting answered, I just ask that you'll take these feeble human words that I'm about to speak and make them something worthwhile through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.
Today what I have is, is kind of a broad overview. I, I've, I've picked out four possibilities, four general categories of things that could be keeping us from getting the answers to prayer that we're looking for. And, and so the first one is kind of an important one, but it's, easily, it's one that we easily miss when we consider why am I not seeing my prayers answered, and, and it's you're not really praying. Like, sometimes we think that we're praying about something, but we pray about it the same way we pray for dinner. You know what I mean? Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the scrub, amen. You know what I mean? We're we're just like, yeah, I gotta gotta get in there and get it over with. Or maybe our, our worldview that we have dissuades us. You know, we live in a, a, a culture that's all about self-sufficiency, or actually it's kind of moving into a culture that's all about government sufficiency, but uh, we, we have learned that it's not always great to ask for help, and that you can't really count on people for help. And so sometimes when we pray, we're like, God, I'm really sorry for bugging you, you know? God, I'm really sorry that I'm, I'm here and I'm bringing this up. I know that you got better things to do, and honestly, you're probably not even hearing me right now. Our worldview just, just gets us to move in a different direction. Could also be you're not really praying because you've given up. Right? Like sometimes you give up because God's like, yeah, that's the thing that you have right now you can stop praying for that. But sometimes we just need to pray. Jesus' follower Matthew records Jesus saying, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. There's this great and, frankly, sometimes confusing story that Jesus shares um, about this widow who goes to uh, the the king or the lord of the land or whatever it may be in the middle of the night, and she just starts knocking at the door. And the king's like, just go away. She keeps knocking at the door. I need something. Open the door. Help me out. And so finally, the king gets up and he listens to her and he gives her what she needs. And Jesus says, it's not because the guy's good, it's because he was just exhausted. It's like, leave me alone, I want sleep. And he says, if this guy will respond to a persistent widow knocking at the door, how much more will a good heavenly father respond to us when we're persistent and don't give up? But how many of us, our worldview has taught us that if it doesn't happen now, or if it doesn't happen in a year, that we should probably just give up. That it's just not going to happen. The second possibility uh, is another one that we find in Scripture. It's the idea of double-mindedness, the lack of belief, or, or, of, or of sin. These, these are things that can keep us from finding our prayers answered. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, wrote, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. 
He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Other translations say here, as as he goes, do not waver for a person with divided loyalty. He says double-mindedness. Okay? A person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. And he goes on, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Why? Because their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. Now, I want to be clear here. When I talk about you need to believe, you need faith. I say these things, but I put this limiter on it. When we pray for someone to be healed, we never look at the lack of a healing and say, well, they just didn't have enough faith. Because throughout church history, especially Pentecostal history, we have oftentimes gone, it couldn't possibly be me who's praying. It couldn't possibly be that it's not God's will right now. It's they didn't have faith. Or there was obviously a sin that they haven't confessed, so that's why they're not healed. And so we put the blame on people. People that are hurting and just just want to find relief or comfort, and instead they come to us and we go, God didn't heal you, there's something wrong with you. You're even more broken than you thought. But at the same time, it it is inescapable in Scripture that Jesus would go to people and he would say, do you believe? He would say, according to your faith, let it be done for you. We see people that were full of faith and had miracles happen. Answered prayers take place because they believed. And James tells us that that if our loyalty, if our trust is caught up between two different things, if we're like, yeah, maybe God, but man, I I, I really, really think the world's going to do better at this. As well, I want to make clear, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to the doctor. Okay? God has imbued these people with knowledge and skills to be able to help us when we're unwell. But here's my question for you. What is your ultimate belief and faith in? Is your faith that even if it comes through medical intervention, that God is a good God who created science, who created the giftings and skills and abilities that those people have? Or in your mind, is it a well, I'm praying about this, but just in case, let's see what the world has to offer too. See, in practice, it's the same. But in our heart and in our mind, it's completely different. Sometimes as well, we can get caught up in this place of idolatry. Do you know that pretty much all sin is idolatry? It's putting yourself or something else above God. Jesus says in in Matthew chapter 6, he says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And so in in the same way, when we're praying for things and we're like, God, I need you to break through this area, I, I have to ask you, is God your king? 
Or are you looking over here for everything that you serve and everything that you do and everything that you trust, and then you're like, well, but I can pray to God, so God, right now, I'm just asking you to do me a favor, even though my king is actually over there. Third possibility is wrong motives. Sometimes we come to God and we're just asking for the wrong motives, right? We, we want something for ourselves. James actually wrote it, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. We're not connected to the source. We're not connected to Jesus. We're not saying, God, I want to pray according to your will. Transform my mind, transform my character, and help me to press into the things that are close to your heart. But instead, we sit there and we're just like, God, I've determined in my heart that this is a desire I have. I want this thing. I want this person. I, for me, I want this ministry that I read in a book that sounds really cool to work out, God. And so we're going to go ahead with this and I need, you to, I need you to bless it. How many of you who've gone to churches in the past, uh, you, you've, you've been at a church and things are going well and then the pastoral team, they go away to a conference and they come back and they're like, we're changing every single thing that we're doing in our ministry because we heard a speaker who said it worked for them and so we're just going to pray that God blesses this new, completely new initiative that we're doing. Like there's no like God lead us. It's just like this is what we're into now. Right? And we all get whiplash. (laughs) And we're like, how did you have time to pray about that? You're at a conference for two days. (laughs) A lot of us have been there. Even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure, what will give you fame, what will give you success, what will bring you comfort. You're thinking about you. And sometimes this can hide under, like, good things, right? Like, sometimes, you know, for myself, like, prayed for, for my grandpa when he, he wasn't doing well. And actually, there was an answer to prayer there. It was, it was uh, amazing. The doctors had given him, like, three months maximum to live, and then three years later, we buried him. But in the midst of that, as I was praying, Lord, heal him. I wasn't praying that because, you know, well, it would be, it would be really good for my, for for my grandma and he'd make a, you know, be able to really um, show the, the unchurched people around him, God's grace and bring people to faith or anything like that. I wasn't thinking God, like, You've, you've revealed to me in my time with you that, that you have more plans for him and so we got to press into this thing in prayer. I was thinking I don't want to lose my grandpa. And I'm not saying it's bad to pray, Lord, I don't want to lose this person who's important to me. But what I'm saying is, is that sometimes our motives might not actually be in line with God's motives. Sometimes we ask with wrong motives. For ourselves. See, we like to think that humanity is the main character of the Bible. We go to the book and we go, yeah, Moses, man of God, so righteous that God listened to his prayers. We go, oh, Peter, look at him. Look at the way that God grew him. Man, Peter's an amazing guy. 
right? We, we list off all the heroes of the faith, all the Bible characters that, that were just so amazing that God couldn't help but do amazing things for them. But we actually miss the point of scripture. And that is that, that all those people are not the main characters. God is the main character. The Bible is all about God pursuing humanity. His love for us. His desire to care for us, to nurture us, to have a relationship with us. And it's a self-sacrificing love. But then we flip things around and we're like, look at what God has to do for me. I've unlocked the formula and now I've checked the boxes, right? Now he has to do what I say. A plus B equals C. See, we often run to God looking for what he gives instead of who he is. Can you imagine if you did that in your marriage? In fact, I think that's one of the reasons that today we see so many unhealthy relationships and such a high divorce rate is because how many of us know that our society pushes us to run and look for what people can give us rather than for who that person is? Like, you know, for, for us that follow Christ, we, we generally know that the Bible speaks against fornication and adultery, right? And yet in our modern day times, and it's even leaching into the church, especially amongst the younger generations, is this idea that like, well, you know, but if we really love each other, it's not, you know, sex before marriage is okay then, isn't it? Because after all, I have to know if things are good, before I get married, because what if it's not? Then marriage isn't going to be great. Listen, you're not getting married for what the person can give you. You're getting married because of who the person is. How many of us, oh, well, we just fell out of love. It happens, I get it, but it's not about the feeling that the person gives you. It's about who the person is and knowing them and going through the work of connecting to them. And you know, that's, that's prayer. That's prayer too. The, Craig Groeschel, pastor and author Craig Groeschel, he, he, he said this. He said that the purpose of prayer at its root is not to get God to do our will. The purpose of prayer is for us to know him and be conformed to his will and to do his will. I'm going to say that again because it was a mouthful, all right? The purpose of prayer at its root, at its core, its base level, is not to get God to do our will. The purpose of prayer is for us to know him and to be conformed to his will and then for us to do his will. So we've seen a a, a couple things that are a little bit hard to swallow, right? We, we don't like the idea that maybe, just maybe, there's a problem with the way that we're praying or something inside of ourselves. But there's another possibility that I think sometimes is, is one that we don't like to think about, but it's this. Sometimes God has better plans. And they don't always make sense to us, right? Like, why did he allow this person to die? Why did he allow this person to get hurt or to get sick? 
Why hasn't Jesus come back yet? For centuries, Christians have been, Lord, come Lord Jesus. Right? To the point that even towards the beginning of our faith, the Apostle Peter felt like he had needed to address the situation and be like, hey, listen, I get it. It's taken a long time, but you need to understand that this is a good thing because God in his great mercy desires that none should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And we need to understand that for the Lord, a thousand years is just like a day to him. So, I mean, on that account, since Jesus came, it's only been two days. <laughs> right? Like, I sent my kids away for two months. And I think I might be ready for them to come home. No, but I love them. See, we, we don't always understand what's going on, but we have to trust what God told us through the prophet Isaiah. He said, For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And listen, we don't use this as an excuse to negate belief or faith, right? We don't run around going, Well... I believe God could, but I don't think it's actually his will. Right? But at the same time, we need to pray like Jesus in the garden. Take this cup from me. Praying so hard into it with so much conviction that sweat, his sweat became like drops of blood from his face. But how did he end it? Somebody call it out. How how did he end that prayer? Your will, not mine. What was God's will for Jesus to go to a cross? Who in their right mind would ever look at that and go, wow, that's easy. That's good. That makes sense. Think think about the, the people of Judea at the time. They're looking for a Messiah who's going to come in drawing his sword with a big old stallion running through there and slashing away the Roman army. They were looking for a king who was going to change everything and and reestablish the kingdom of Israel in all of its glory. God was like, well, that's one way to take it. How about I send you myself as a human carpenter from a backwater village where nothing good can come from there, to quote Philip. And, and, And how about... I come and I give you someone who's like nothing much to look at. Who has no place to lay his head, no, no home of his own. How about I, I send you someone who is going to upset all the religious people who've been waiting for him. And call them hypocrites and vipers. How about I, I send someone... This Messiah you've been waiting for, how about I actually bring him to fulfill everything that you just want restored and to actually bring about something better? But you know how I'm going to do that is by him dying. And then just to cap it off, we're going to raise him to life again. Like, have you ever actually thought about how it, like, it doesn't even make sense. God's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something so outlandish that people for centuries are just going to be like, 
I mean, I believe, but why? <laughs> and yet, this is what God did through Jesus Christ. And because of him, we're forgiven. We're ushered into the depths of God's heart and his plans. And we have the ability to live out a purpose that is being accomplished day by day by all of God's people through the working of his Holy Spirit through them. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Sometimes I don't have a great answer for you besides it's not God's will. I don't like that answer. I know you don't like that answer, any of you. The Apostle Paul, he had an issue, right? He had a, a, a thorn in his flesh, and we don't know what it is. Maybe it, some theologians think that maybe he had some eye problems. Others think maybe there was a, a physical disability or an illness that he was going through. Some people um, that on the internet, they seem to think that it was actually SpongeBob um, who was chained up in prison with him, and that was his thorn in the flesh. It's a joke. Old meme. I'm sorry. But in, in the midst of it all, he, he had a problem. And so what, what do we read? He, he writes, So to keep me from being, becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Listen to this. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And then what he said was this. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Can we be so surrendered to the will of God that we are willing to have the exact opposite of what we would prefer happen in our lives and say, only you, Jesus. There's a Pentecostal theologian named Amos Young. And uh, we're going to watch a short video um, where he talks a little bit about his brother's experience in just a moment. But in the midst of being a Pentecostal who believes in, in the healing power of, of prayer and in the Spirit's power, his family had to wrestle with something. They had to wrestle with the acceptance that maybe God's will wasn't the healing that they were looking for. And so I'm going to run that for you right now. Healing is such a central part of the Pentecostal imaginary. Many Pentecostal congregations or churches have altar calls for two things at the end of the service. One is for salvation, and two is for healing. And so the assumption is that God will show up, because God always saves and God always heals. I actually have a little bit different sense of that, in part because I've got a brother with Down syndrome. So I've thought a lot over the years about healing in relationship to disability. One of the things in which I've been, um, in my own journey, have been invited to think about with regard to healing is 
How can we, while not minimizing these practices in relationship to healing, how can we understand healing in a lot of other ways besides in the uh, usual way that Pentecostals understand it, which has to do with usually bodily forms of healing? When my brother was born, my parents, again, this was almost 40 years ago, prayed for his healing. The assumption was that when God heals Mark, all of these features, these symptoms would be removed. That's what healing means, right? Well, 40 years later now, if you ask my mom to talk about Mark, and she'll give you testimonies about Mark, right? But these testimonies about Mark include his healing, but not in any ways. Well, I mean, he was healed certainly of his leukemia, his pneumonia. He had two murmurs in his heart. God healed those, not miraculously, but by using surgeons that closed those murmurs up. That's why he's still living 40 years later. So my mom will give you testimonies of Mark's healing, but his healing now is understood much more broadly. Uh, his healing is understood to include how God has used him in our lives, in our families, it, how God has used his life to bear witness to God's glory to others around him. How do we continue to pray for healing? but be more sensitive to the different ways in which people with disabilities live with their disabilities? How do we pray with appropriate expectations? And how do we pray in ways so that people don't experience guilt for not experiencing certain kinds of, or certain expectations regarding healing as traditionally communicated? In other words, we've got to find ways to talk and pray theologically about healing so that when a person leaves our congregation or when we're done with the practice of healing prayer, people aren't feeling like they're second-class citizens because God didn't touch them in traditional expected ways, right? So that the end result is that we do continue to experience some forms of traditional healing, if not many forms of traditional healing, but we also can experience more people with disabilities in our churches because they're no longer feeling like they're marginal or they're not chosen of God, or they're not excluded from God's grace and God's touch because they didn't come out of their wheelchair, or they didn't have to put away their cane. We've got to find ways to think about healing practices that don't decrease our motivation to pray for healing, but we've got to find ways to talk about and pray about healing in much more expansive terms. So I wonder, could we accept a situation like that? Could we accept that there could be a healing that goes beyond our understanding of healing? That sometimes the things that God allows to continue in our lives that are painful to us, that stretch us, are actually a part of his plan. This is a huge topic, right? It's not something that we can, we can cover in the couple of minutes that I, I have left for us today. This is something that we need to wrestle with individually. God, what, what are your plans? How are you using this situation right now? How could this possibly be something that you're okay with? 
So understand that today what I've shared, it's just, just a few of the vast possibilities for why we might struggle to get an answer to our prayers. Not really praying, double-mindedness or sin, wrong motives or God has better plans, but we also need to understand that God is always listening. But we also need to recognize that sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, and other times he says, now's not the time. I got something in store for you. I, I need to get this thing worked out. And so let me leave you today in everything, remembering God's promises to us. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Or the words of Hebrews, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Or the words of Paul to the church of Rome, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So do not give up on your prayers, but believe with all your heart that God will do it. Spend time asking God to give you his heart, his will in all things, praying according to that. And in the end, I encourage you, as hard as it may be, to understand that God's plans are bigger and that anything that we experience in this life, no matter how hard it may seem, is but a dot in the infinite line of our existence in eternity. That's our entire life here on earth is just a smudge on our whole eternity with God. Pastor of a particular church was once asked, I see not everyone gets healed in your prayer meetings, so why do you guys still pray for healing? And the pastor responded this way. He said, well, we, we used to not pray for anyone, but what we found is uh, when we pray for people, more people get healed than when we don't pray for people, so we'll keep on praying for people. Right? We don't understand. I don't understand it. God's reason for your prayers not happening or being answered the way that you want could be something outside of this. I don't know. But can we trust that prayer is still worthwhile and that our God loves us no matter the response we get? So today, before you leave, I want you to do this. I want you to ask one or two people what they are praying for. Pray for them in that moment. Just as you're talking today, just make that part of your conversation and encourage them to seek 
or keep seeking God in it. And then what I want you to do, and here's the big thing, because we're, we're really good sometimes at the like immediate, oh, I got to do this now. But check in with them next week. Make a mental note of it. Be praying for them. Come back next week and, and hey, how's that going? I remember, and I've been praying with you. Let's encourage each other. When we feel like we're praying alone, it's tough. Like I said, um, one message on such a broad topic is not easy. And so if you're wanting to go deeper on any of this, you can uh, find on Facebook or on YouTube, uh, you can go to our 2021 series, Pray. Uh, You can also go to our 2020 series called Turning Off Airplane Mode. And in both of those message message series, we've got a number of more messages that break down a lot more about prayer, about answers to prayer, and hearing from God in prayer. And so I encourage you to step into that. Heavenly Father, I just thank you today for every person that's here. And I ask, Lord God, that you would give them a renewed courage, a renewed drive to pray. Help us to have great faith, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, for anyone that wants to give their life to you today, Lord Jesus, I just pray right now that they would pray this prayer with me in response to the message of the good news of Jesus that we've talked about throughout our service today during communion, during the message, Lord Jesus, that you loved us so much that though we were not worthy, you never gave up on us. But you came to earth, lived as one of us, died, wiping away the sins of all who would come to you and you rose again bringing victory and life to all who would choose you and you give this to us freely so all around this room online let me encourage you right now if you want to give your heart to Jesus just pray this prayer with me Heavenly Father I know that I'm a sinner that I've done wrong that my motivations haven't always been right but I thank you for your work on the cross Thank you for saving me and for loving me. Today I give you my life. Please give me yours. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and transform me with your love. And I thank you that you will stand with me through this life, even when I mess up. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer today and you're in-house, and that same connect with us card, you can check off. I just gave my life to Jesus and bring it to Kareen at the next steps table. We've got a gift for you for that as well. Some resources that we want to put in your hands um, online, ASCC.life and, and uh, tap on I just gave my life to Jesus. Next week, uh, we're kind of continuing in this theme. We have the question, why does God let bad things happen? So again, another one of those ones where we can get an overview, but we can only go so deep but I hope that it it will be challenging, but also uplifting.